Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston. I have Rahul here in Connecticut. And Alex, you're back from your commentary <laughs> debut. Tell us about that for a quick minute. Yeah, I, uh, I tried my hand at, at hockey commentating, stepped up last second when, when they were in need. Uh, it's not a sport I know, so I just had to, had to try to use my, my footy knowledge to the best of my ability, but uh, it was good. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll be making my way over to the beautiful game sometime soon. We'll have to see. Look, it's never too late to start, and obviously you do a good job here on the podcast, so if we have to loan you out for a few more commentary sessions, I think that would be amazing. Right, Rahul? Right. I do want a loan fee, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's nicely said. Raul, how are you doing? I'm doing great. We're world champions, and uh, I was waiting for my shirt with the badge to show up, but it's slightly delayed. <laughs> your, your enthusiasm is a little light. We're champions of the world, guys. <laughs> I, I, I think my, my uh, excitement's a little clouded by some of the other opinions out there. <laughs> All right, look, before we jump into the whole review of the game, why don't we start with some of the controversy that's bubbling around on the internet right now. And since you've brought it up really early on, Rahul, let's get it out of the way. What is this controversy that's going on so we can enjoy the World Championship review? I I was hoping we were going to take a second or two, but (laughs) let's jump into it. So we obviously won the Club World Cup, um, a tournament, a, a trophy that we'd never won before. We're only the third English club to do so in the history of it, about 22 years that it's been going on. Uh, And as you'd expect, Chelsea winning a trophy doesn't sit well with a lot of pundits. I say pundits in in quotes. Um, And so the controversy here is it's being called a plastic cup. It's being called as a trophy that isn't doesn't have any relevance. It's a friendly tournament out there that FIFA puts together mainly to generate revenue uh, why are Chelsea parading like they've won the World Cup? Um, and a lot of other things have been said. So uh, I'll, I'll get your guys' opinions before I share mine. And, and I'm sure Alex will have some fiery things to say. But let's let's start with you, Alex. What do you what do you have to say about all of this? <laughs> I think it's it's jealousy. I think it's just the classic nobody wanting to see Chelsea win except for Chelsea fans and the players themselves. Um, but I enjoy it because if, if Chelsea ever get to a point where rivals don't care and aren't flooding the internet with their tears when we win a trophy or win a game, you know, what fun is that going to be? I, I enjoy it. it. It tells you how much we get under their skin. The fact that uh, people feel the need to crawl out of their, uh, caves of irrelevance in order to comment on uh, a feat that has never been done before in Chelsea's history. So I personally enjoy it. I think it's a good sign. Um, If you're making someone mad, we're doing something right. So keep it up. Yeah, yeah, Jackie, what about you? Yeah, I think you've you've skirted around the topic, Rahul. The so-called Chelsea legend, Craig Burley, (laughs) has has come out and said these things, which, look, he's entitled to his opinion, just as we are, and we're going to share our opinions over here. But I look at it differently. It's the champions of the world. It's a cup. There's a monetary value to it. And, you know, before we started this podcast, we talked about the television rights and how far and wide this has gone, and it increases the brand that Chelsea bring out. And so... For him to say that, you know, other people saying that, I get it, but for him who is an ex-Chelsea player or a legend, as people are saying he is, uh, it's a little bit disrespectful, I think. And so maybe he wants to 
increase his media personality as I just alluded to. So look, at the end of the day, I'm going to see us wearing that bright gold badge on our chest. And I'm going to be happy that we're champions of the world. He can sit in the ESPN studio and make up little rumors about things that don't matter to him. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously as a Chelsea fan and, and three of us are Chelsea fans, it's a tournament that we wanted to win. It was a tournament that we wanted Espelicueta to lift that trophy and, and complete his um, trophy hall with, with the club. But I think about it from the other side, right? I think about Palmeiras. I think about Al-Hilal. I think about Al-Ali. Um, Auckland City was another name that came up. And for these guys, they win their respective continental tournaments like Chelsea did winning the Champions League. Uh, they get an opportunity to face the likes of Chelsea. Could have been Man City if they had won it. Uh, and you saw from that final, you saw from the semifinal that their fans came out in numbers. They traveled from Brazil, they traveled from Egypt, they traveled from uh, Saudi Arabia, I believe. And for any pundit to sit in England, to sit in the ESPN, like you said, and discredit everything that happened in this tournament just because they don't feel good about Chelsea winning it doesn't sit right for me when I think about it from the other team's perspective because you've now discredited everything they've done. You've even gone to an extent to say the players on the other teams are part-time players. No, they're not. They're full-time players. These clubs have been around longer than some of the English clubs that are now flourishing and doing well. Uh, so obviously from a Chelsea side, it bothers me. But then I think about it from the other side and how much Palmeiras really wanted this and wanted to become, I think, the first or at least in their history, the first Club World Cup trophy. And to hear somebody who's trying to make a name for himself, like you alluded to, Jackie, to discredit it and, and kind of make it seem like less than it is just bothers me because you're as a football pundit, you should be being fair and analyzing it from everything, from everyone's perspective. Uh, so that's really what bothers me. But at the end of the day, I don't care. I, like I said, I'm going to wear my shirt and wear it loud and proud and um, we're champions of the world. That's all I can say. And about, go ahead, Alex. And, and about, um, I just wanted to, to enlighten our listeners on, on a few of the fun things that were said about Craig Burley, because this particular <laughs> uh, pundit, in quotes, um, was dropped for the biggest game of his career in 1997, as someone pointed out. And they said, drop for the biggest game in your career in 1997. That was a Chelsea FA Cup final, I believe. Right. Um, because the gaffer questioned your attitude and spent the next 25 years proving him right, said somebody online. Uh, which seems to line up, uh, especially given that he's he's now coming out with a little bit of a vendetta against his former club. Just a little odd, um, and and perhaps a slightly less polite one. Someone saying that Chelsea have more European cups than you have real teeth. <laughs> uh, so you know that's that's how I'd ended out. I I'm not uh, I'm not too concerned by the words of uh, a bitter man trying to revive his relevance after clearly harboring some uh some some salt from wounds in the past that's well said he will let him keep himself his salty attitude to himself at espn but look let's move on we want to talk about us being champions of the world it's an amazing tournament rahul do you want to take us through the starting lineup tukul actually made it out there for the final he did he made it just the night before i believe and um, it was good to see him out there. I think he mentioned in his, his post-match conference that there was a few times he was on the way to the airport and they said, no, no, no you're still positive, head back home. <laughs> um, so it was, it was good to see him out there and good to see him leading the, the boys. And I'm sure the boys felt uh, good seeing him there too. So he picked Mendy in gold, which was 
a little bit of a surprise because we've seen Kepa do well and in, in, in fact uh, get us to this point in terms of winning the semifinal. Uh, but Mendy comes back and, and that's one a topic we can discuss here in a second. Christensen continues with Thiago Silva and Rudiger. As for Laqueta, Conte comes in. Jorginho uh, makes, it, makes his way to the bench. Kovacic next to Conte. Hudson Adoy at left wing back. Uh, Mason Mount back into the 11 with Kai Havertz and Lukaku. Yeah, strong starting lineup. Alex, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you have been a great, great supporter of Kepa. He's had a great tournament and games while Mendy has been out of the AFCON. A little bit hard done by, maybe? Maybe, but I think I think this is a pretty clear one where, where Tuchel's saying, you know what, Mendy is still our number one. He won us the Champions League. He's been fantastic. We all know how amazing Eduard Mendy has been, uh, how inspiring his journey has been, and just the top quality that, that he's been in net for us. So at a certain point, especially because that Super Cup win was sort of split between the goalkeepers, which I liked, uh, how Mendy got us through full time and then Kepa came on and won it for us in penalties. I thought that was kind of nice because the goalkeepers were sharing in the spoils a bit. And here Kepa performed brilliantly um, in the semifinal, such that I, I wouldn't have been upset if he'd started. I think he merited it. I think he would have made some some key saves when called upon. But um, no complaints. We, we all know Mendy's class. And I think it's a good problem to have having, having two keepers who could both arguably start based on their form. Um, it's, I'd much rather that than a situation where you have, uh, when you're struggling to have confidence in the keeper you're putting in net. So I'm not complaining there at all. Yeah, look, of course, we know Mendy is one of the world's best. We've talked about him enough at this point. Rahul, are you happy with the mix of the front three? We were seeing Hakim Ziyech being selected game after game, but maybe he's dropped a little bit and Kai Havertz is getting a couple of games now. Yeah, I was happy. I mean, Kai Havertz showed in the semifinal and and we touched on it on the last episode. Uh, He unlocks Lukaku a little bit more than when some of the other guys. So him being there uh, obviously helps Lukaku, but also helps the overall general play. And and I must say Kai Havertz was fired up for this final Uh, because he was hustling not only in attack, but he was helping out in defense. And uh, he was one guy that seemed out of the lot, seemed motivated enough to be like, we're going to win this trophy no matter what. And, and, and that was good to see because a lot of times we've, we've said he doesn't show emotion. He's very timid. Uh, and it seems like he's coming into his own, at least in, the, in these finals. Yeah, look, if we tell him every game is a final, then we're going to have <laughs> going crazy for us. But Alex, one more person I want to talk about before we move on, and Rahul, maybe you can dissect the first half after that. But Hudson Adoy coming in at left wing back. Uh, you know, in these games when we want a little more final, in the final pass and the final third, we're looking for someone like him, happy with him coming in for Alonso? Yeah, for sure. I think he he just brings a little more quality on the ball. Um, now, I will say he did not really have an impressive game. I thought he seemed to be struggling a little bit. Um honestly just overall was not the best game I've seen Hudson Adoy play but that little bit of extra quality on the ball seems to have paid off because he did make one good delivery uh, to Lukaku's head Uh, big Rom puts it in the net and you you have to say you know what a player's not going to have a master class every game if he can get an assist even if he's not playing at his very best I'll take that Um, no complaints there I think that's where people just need to sort of 
continue to look at it as separating the performance from the stats sheet. And it's important to have both because some games you might not be at your best, but you still contribute, which is a good trait to have. And some games you might not be able to get that finishing touch, get a goal, get an assist, but you're still working hard, contributing well, which is also a good trait to have. So um, pleased with pleased with how he did. You can't complain about the assist. Um, and I think he's certainly my preference uh, over Marcus Alonso at this point, just because attacking wise, he offers a bit more and frankly defense while maybe Alonso's a little better because he's got more experience playing uh, as a wing back. I just don't think defense is either of their strengths. So I'd rather have that extra cutting edge going forward. Yeah. And a little bit more pace as well, coming in from Kalama hudson which makes a big difference, but Rahul, Alex already talked about the goal, you know, second half, big Rom scores it, but run us through a couple of key moments in the first half, maybe, and then we can jump right into the second half. Yeah, the, this first half was what you'd expect from a final, a little bit cagey. Uh, Palmeiras wanted to defend and stay tight, and that's pretty much what they did throughout the whole game, maybe uh, apart from the first few minutes after they had scored, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, Chelsea had a lot of the ball, I believe at one point it was close to 80%. Uh, and Palmeiras were, were happy with us doing that because they knew as long as they everything was ahead of them in terms of the ball, uh, they knew that they were in the game and, and they wanted to stay in the game as long as possible. Uh, you could say our attack was a little bit ineffective in that first half, and and that's reflected in the scoreline. We go in nil-nil. Um, and you said Ziyech wasn't part of this game after being dropped uh, uh, or, or rested uh, was a better word. Um, and you could see maybe why he was being picked the last few games because his ability to pick a pass or, or, or uh, put in a cross was missed in this first half at least and, and shows you what he brings to the squad when he's not in it. So uh, that first half kind of highlighted that. Yeah, look, he, he brings a different style of play as well. He's not necessarily going to run at defenders and try and cut from the byline. He's got vision. Maybe I, I like him, liken him a little bit to Cesc Fabregas because he can pick a ball from deep. But one more big thing that happened in that first half, Mason Mount goes down injured. Right. Uh, I don't know if you can tell us how serious or not the injury is, but it's one thing that he's probably going to be missed, right? Yeah, it, it, from what we hear, it's uh, a damage to the ligaments in the ankle. And so a uh, couple of weeks at least, which means uh, it could be tight for him to face Liverpool in the Carabao Cup final. But I'm sure the medical staff and Mason Mott will do everything he, uh, they can and he can to to be ready for that game. Yeah, we wish him a speedy recovery. But Alex, you already alluded to the goal. We go into that second half and I think good work from Callum Hudson-Odoi, but thoughts on Lukaku to be in the space and make the effort to put his head on the end of that cross? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a good goal. I thought it was pretty simple. In a weird way, he didn't even move. The yeah. ball just came right to his head, which was, I, I mean, credit for the cross, credit for being in the right place. I, I wouldn't so much describe it as effort because the defenders <laughs> kind of missed the ball and it just settled really nicely on his head. Um, now that's, that's a good cross, good finish. That's exactly what you'd expect from the striker. So I'm not going to go out of my way praising him for that, but that's why he's there. Um, and he came up with the goods again. So no complaints. He did it in the semifinal and then he does it again in the final. Um, you can't have complaints with that. That's why we bought him for the big money. He just needs to start doing that consistently. Um, and I, I don't think it was, it was again, his, his most fantastic game. We haven't seen him putting together any great performances lately. He certainly wasn't one of the ones hustling all over the pitch, looking like he was going to be that spark 
to create something. But at the same time, I, as I said, I think players can step up even if they're not having an absolutely bright dynamic game and yeah. you get on the score sheet. I don't think anyone's complaining about that. Yeah. Well said. And Rahul, I think two goals in two games, you know, and we talk about, he's a pretty positive guy, pretty confident guy, but at some point as a striker, not having enough goals go in the net probably does knock your confidence a little bit. So two goals in two games, maybe, maybe that's going to help him for the games coming up. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you could say he's the re- one of the main reasons we we got to the trophy. Obviously, Kai Havertz is a big one, but uh, he gets us to the final. He scores in the final, and and it's going to do him well, hopefully, for the rest of the season uh, because we need him and his goals uh, to to get us maybe in second spot. We definitely need to start pushing for second <laughs> spot for for sure there. But look, let's talk about you know scoring the goal in the fifty fourth minute. I, I, we got we we can't hold on to a goal these days anymore guys our, our defense used to be something we were super proud of of course the situation is a little different Alex in the 61st minute they win a penalty Palmeiras I mean do you want to walk us through how that situation kind of played out and your thoughts on it overall yeah it was a little it was a little odd it was a ball into the box and then a handball call on Tiago Silva at first glance I, it was clearly clearly the ball was handled um, now then looking at the replay, I thought to myself, it seems like the attacker's head pushed yeah. his hand onto the ball, uh, cause he jumped with his hand up and then the head of the attacker kind of in trying to head the ball, pushed his hand into it. So I thought maybe it was a little harsh, but it, it was, a, it was a blatant hand on the ball. I could see it going both ways. Maybe that's a 50, 50 call. And as, as we'll discuss later, it, it sort of evened out, honestly. Um, but I think. I, you can't blame Tiago Silva for that. He honestly played a good game as he has all tournament. Um, and, you know, it, it is what it is. Sometimes you're going to get unlucky and that's why you need to cash in on those moments where you dominate possession, because as we've seen so many times with Chelsea, a spell of possession shots, dribbling, it doesn't matter unless the ball goes in the net. And if you can't capitalize on that, I mean, it's, 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 that's, what football is things happen and and sometimes you get unlucky with little situations like that you know things happen but Rahul it seems to be happening a lot more to Chelsea and obviously I don't want to take too much away from the final but uh, your opinion soft pen right call what's your thoughts it was soft but you can see why it was given and if it was in the other end we would want it so uh, I gotta gotta be a little bit fair there and say it was it was a penalty especially when you handle it um Thought Mendy would have saved it, not not criticizing him. I just from the antics he was doing on the line with you know bouncing around. I was like, <laughs> looks like he's got it. But uh, Palmeiras, to their credit, knew what they had to do. They they got the penalty, obviously, which helped their case. And uh, the next few minutes after that, they were they were all over us. It took us a little bit to ride that uh, wave from them and their fans who were bouncing all over. Uh, but that's what we do. We stay in the game, even though we've let them back in and and manage it from there. Yes, and really the game ends 1-1 and it's going to head into extra time at this point because I really didn't see a way of any other team scoring beyond that. But before we talk about extra time, I'll run through the stats very, very quickly. 22 shots versus 11. Chelsea, again, story of their last few months here. But only three on target as well as Palmeiras, only three on target. This this stat was interesting to me because I know we had a lot of the ball, but at some point it really didn't seem like it just based on what we were doing. But we had 71% of the ball in that entire game versus Palmeiras' 29 
we strung together 789 passes versus their 321. So again, the last few months, that's been the story. But coming back to the game, we go into extra time. Alex, we make a change formation-wise. We go to a back four. What do you think Tuchel was trying to do with the back four? I think clearly at that point, it was, it was obvious that Chelsea's quality, their fitness, their depth had the upper hand. And that, that's something I said um, to my dad when he was a little nervous going into added time. I said, frankly, for whatever reason, I'm not nervous because I feel like given an extra half hour, I have faith in, in our depth and our fitness and our desire and our quality um, to just sort of shine through. Now, Palmeiras did a great job of, of staying in the game through 90 minutes, but I think past that point, um, I, I did sort of have, have faith in, in someone to come up with a moment of magic. Um, and I think Tuchel going to the back four is, is just clear intent that he's going out to win that game. Obviously, I think it's pretty well understood that uh, the team who might not be favored would be just as happy for it to go to penalties, which can be a bit of a game of chance. Um, but as, as it turns out, it, it went to penalties or penalty singular a little <laughs> bit early. <laughs> it did indeed. Rahul, you know, Alex was a little more confident, I gather, from, you know, his expressions with his family, obviously. I was biting my nails. I almost lost all of them. Uh, what are your feelings on that last extra, extra time? You know, the commentator was saying we had 90 minutes to play, and I was like, what is he watching? <laughs> <But> <laughs> we had 30 minutes to play. How did you feel about the extra time? Uh, not as confident as Alex, and maybe I do need to start watching these finals with Alex once again. You do, uh, yeah. <laughs> after a Champions League final. Um, it, it just seemed like it was destined to go to penalties, and, and we, in a sense, were okay with that based on our history with penalties in the last six months. Um, obviously, the change to the back four suits uh, us attacking-wise, as Alex was saying, uh, to have Havertz, Timo Werner, Pulisic, Hudson, no, Hudson Odoi had gone off. Uh, Ziek was on and so we just had a little more attacking options up, up front but uh, they weren't really doing much in terms of getting us that second goal uh, we'll get to the goal which comes eventually or, or the the attacking play that comes that leads to the, the penalty call but uh, it really seemed like and I honestly at the second half of the extra time I was like okay we're gonna go, go to the penalty shootout I even asked on our, our story do we bring on Jorginho Kepa? Because there was only one sub left, and you, yeah. do you go with a penalty taker or one that, that's going to save them? Uh, but like Alex said, it it wasn't meant to be that way. It was meant to go a whole different way and in, in, in a way that I honestly preferred. <laughs> <laughs> it went a completely different way in the form of Cesar Aspilicueta. You guys mentioned his name early on in the in the segment about how he needed to win everything at Chelsea, which obviously now we know he has. He takes that shot that ends up being a handball. And like you guys alluded to, VAR comes back, helps us with this situation, and we win that. But Alex, other than dissecting the penalty, an interesting thing happened. For the few minutes before the penalty, there was a bit of scurrying going on. Palmeiras guys were surrounding the penalty taker, who the entire stadium thought was Aspilicueta himself. Now, you can you share some of the analysis of what happened there and why Aspilicueta, or everybody thought Aspilicueta was going to be the penalty taker? Yeah, that was that was honestly a fascinating little exchange to me. And as soon as when Aspilicueta grabbed the ball, I as well as everybody, uh, funny enough, I was actually confident because I've seen yeah. him take penalties, and he does he does a weird little just short run up, like two steps, and then he just bangs it top bins, and he's done that a couple times. He actually takes quite good penalties, and I said to myself, 
this is this is the greatest moment in the history of the <laughs> football club. I said our captain, who's won every trophy except for this one, has single-handedly decided to write himself <laughs> into the history book. And I said, I I was like, that is so funny to me. So uh, my initial thought was, this is like a heavily egotistical, but like really <laughs> brilliant and like legendary move by Azpilicueta to seal out his time as captain with like winning this final trophy. So I was personally like on the edge of my seat, absolutely loving it. But then what I, what I loved equally is the actual truth that came out that he was just taking the ball to shield the actual penalty taker from the abuse and the, and the pushing and the shoving and the, the commentary of the Palmeiras players. Exactly. And and you, you always see that with um, you actually, you, you always see that with Chelsea players too. Whenever you can see the penalty, you just go and try to mess, mess with the penalty taker, scuff up the ground a bit, get in their head. Um, but then at the last moment, Azpilicueta hands the ball to Kai Havertz when the referees handed out some yellow cards and the ruckus has cleared. And Kai Havertz just coolly slots it away, having spent that time calmly preparing his kick. So that that was, in, a, in, a, in another sense, not quite the way I thought it would be, that was <laughs> quite a legendary captain move by Azpilicueta um, to absorb all that pressure and abuse and then just calmly pass it to Kai. Um, I mean, that, that, that's just really, that is true leadership captain behavior that you can't really teach. I mean, that's just the kind of thing that, I, I don't know, it, it's exactly what I'd expect from someone as well-seasoned and, and as good a leader as Azpilicueta, and it paid off. Look, Alex, hearing your commentary about what could have happened if Azpilicueta <laughs> took the penalty, I almost wish in an alternate universe that did happen. But no, look, I think you summarized it perfectly. Rahul, he is one of those captains that, you just look to for strength, for a, a solid mind of, he's a guy that's going to guide us. You know, I got to get my Arsenal dig in here as opposed to what they had with captains over the last few years here with red cards, insulting their own fans, not turning up for training. He's completely opposite. He's the role model of what a captain should be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's, I'm going to take you back before I give you my comments on there. In 2012, when we signed him, we, we said we're going to call him Dave because we couldn't even say his name. Uh, but he's going to leave this club, not only putting his name in the history of this club, but leaving as a legend. And, and that's all you need to know about this guy is it comes in unknown, comes in, they've bought a, a 7 million fullback, wingback, uh, who's going to play right back, ends up playing left back, ends up playing center back, ends up becoming captain, like you guys have said. And, and this moment will obviously be one of those moments where you think back and you say, Espelicueta won everything. He had a lot of great influence on the club, but this moment was one where you look at him and you say, I want all my future captains to be like him. Kind of like what you did with John Terry. Uh, and similar to Alex, I was, I even texted you. I was like, I think Aspie's going to take it. And, and as excited as I was, I was very nervous too. Cause I'm like, if he misses it, that's a whole different situation. <laughs> you don't want to think about, uh, but he, he gives it to Kai Havertz and, and it's for the goalie who was preparing, okay, Aspie is going to take it. All of a sudden Kai steps up and it throws him off, yeah. uh, which is another aspect of this whole thing that, that we, we, we don't, we haven't spoken about, but he's, he's a captain that we have often criticized and the media has criticized too, because he's not as vocal uh, sometimes doesn't step in when you need him to, but, you know he's doing the business behind the scenes. You know he's he's one of those leaders that always doesn't need to speak on the pitch, 
but he's one that leads by example and, and we're very lucky to have him and I don't know how this this relationship ends so hopefully it doesn't uh, but if it does this summer all we can say is thank you Aspie yeah look you two have spoken to him so maybe use your charm and your skills to get back <laughs> on the call with him and let him know he needs to stay a couple more seasons to help groom some of the younger guys and let them know this is the way Chelsea Football Club is running so Hopefully this is, you know, if he does leave us at the end of the season, this is one of those moments that will stay with us forever. But if he doesn't, look, I just want to see more of these, you know, little things that happen with him as we go through the rest of the year. But look, we win the World Cup. It's amazing. We're now the World Club champions. It's something that, like Rahul, you alluded to, it's the third English club to do this. Uh, we had our hands close to it many years ago. But one thing that did happen is a lot of ex-Chelsea players, you know, we've talked about pundits who had criticized it, but Petr Cech has talked about how that was his one regret in his career. John Terry turned up to support the team. Didier Drogba was there. And a lot of these guys, it's almost like we also almost won everything with the club. And yes, we're no longer there, but we are lovers of this club, complete the trophy set. I mean, Alex, it doesn't get any nicer than that to see the old guard and the new guard together celebrating something that they've all wanted for a long time. No, all all I can say is in comparison to the clickbait headlines calling (laughs) Craig Burley a Chelsea legend, the actual Chelsea legends were go. on display there, um, and it was great to see. You You just love to see them almost. You felt as if they, they were living that victory vicariously through um, the current crop of Chelsea players. You, yeah. I'm sure uh, I'm sure both Czech and Drogba felt that they could still go out there <laughs> yeah. and get the business done. So I, it, it was great to see, and and that's what you love. As, as Rahul was mentioning with um, as P just sort of embodying those, those captain traits, I think we had such a great shift from as good a shift as you can really ask for from our, our core of impressive players. When you had the Czech, uh, Terry Lampard, Drogba core, um, moving to the likes of Aspilicueta who have just been so loyal and stayed with the club. You really can't ask for a better way to pass down the armband and the culture, uh, and the mentality of Chelsea. And it all, it all stacked up there and paid off. Absolutely did. Rahul, there were some lovely, lovely scenes after celebrating this Club World Cup. You know, the guys were dancing, popping champagne bottles. Just wrapping up your thoughts, what are your final thoughts on this Club World Cup? What does it mean for Chelsea as a club overall? Where do we go from here? I mean, it, as overall, I think we become the fifth club uh, to win it all. And, and that's honestly a, a compliment to not just this crop of uh, players, but everyone before everyone before even the Abramovich era because we were winning things back then yes it wasn't as consistent and it wasn't uh, maybe the bigger trophies like the Premier League and the Champions League but rival fans often forget that Chelsea were a big club back then too and so this kind of brings all of that together it captures everyone's hard work on and off the pitch Uh, and it's a trophy that I wanted in 2012 when when we won the Champions League uh, it finally happens, and and I, I you can tell from the smile on my face. Uh, it's something that we're always going to bring up in in the future. With we won it all, we've done it all, we continue to go back and do it all, and and that's just this club, and and we'll always use this as a moment that we'll say, twenty twenty two was when we 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 completed the lot. We completed the lot, and look. I think we've got the taste of what it's like to continue winning on the big stages. So as Chelsea fans, I know the players already want this, the management, the coaches, the staff, but as Chelsea fans, we want more of these days. We want more of these celebrations. So 
absolutely exciting. And guys, it's tough to move on, but I think we do have to move on and talk about some other interesting things going on. Let's talk about the Premier League. Um, Alex, do you want to talk through some of the games that happened in and around the Premier League while we were away in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, so we've got um, Everton beating Leeds 3-0. That's a good game for super Frank Lampard. I was always, always happy to see him as I'm sure as you guys and many other Chelsea fans were always happy to see Lampard doing well. Um, Wolves beating Spurs. I, I saw some fun pictures going around of, of comparisons of Conte and Mourinho at Chelsea <laughs> versus at Spurs and what managing that club uh, who I think is it's generous to call a rival at this point, <laughs> uh, what managing that club does to uh, certain coaches. Um, Newcastle beat Villa 1-0. That's very, very, very big for their bid for survival. Um, and it's, it's looking now almost like on momentum, they're, they're set to pull off a, a little bit of a, a sneaky escape, yep. um, which I'm sure is going to please the new ownership there. Um, because they won't have been wanting to invest billions into a team that now finds itself in the championship. Right. Um, then you have United, who drew Southampton. We saw uh, Ragnick ball at its blistering <laughs> best with an absolutely toothless second-half performance where they yet again conceded a lead and drew. Um, and then you had Leicester and West Ham uh, battling it out 2-2 um, in another interesting clash. Um not one that at the moment affects us too much. Um, but who knows, because <laughs> it's, it's going to get into, it's going to get into seriously uh, nerve wracking hours, perhaps at the end of these, <laughs> at the end of this season. It surely will. I mean, the table is super duper tight. Let me run through the table really quickly and we can move on to our Premier League preview. Uh, top of the table, Manchester City. They're sitting there with 63 points. They've played 25 games. Uh, Liverpool in second, played 24 games with 54 points, so they need to win that game to keep the pressure on Manchester City. We also have played 24 games with 47 points, and our nearest rival, Manchester United, guys, we poke a lot of fun at them. That's broke into the top four. They do have 25 games on the board with 43 points, so we do have a little bit of distance. West Ham, you know, they've done well so far this season, sitting in fifth place with 41 points. I'll go to the bottom of the table. This is where it gets interesting. Burnley sitting in 20th with 14 points, but they have about four games in hand. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Watford, 23 games played, 15th. They're in 19th position. Norwich in 18th. So they've come back down now with 24 games played, 17 points. Newcastle United, like Alex alluded to, the great escape is on. They have played 23 games and have 21 points. So they also have a couple of games in hand. And right above them, Super Frank, with 22 points. Guys, this is going to get very interesting towards the end of the season. So watch out for those relegation battles. But Rahul, let's jump into our weekend preview. Why don't you take us through Crystal Palace versus Chelsea? Yeah, so the Premier League is back. Our last game was against Spurs about almost a month ago at this point. So it's good to have the, the league back. It's an away game for Chelsea. We travel away to Crystal Palace. Um, we've not lost to them in their last eight meetings. So the last defeat we had uh, against Palace was in 2017. Um, and so since then, we've won consecutively, which is which is a good feeling because Crystal Palace is always a difficult away trip, at least. Uh, and so to have gone there multiple times over the last few seasons and won will give the guys confidence. Uh, 
Crystal Palace have just won one of their last 16 Premier League London derbies. So that's another record that kind of uh, bodes or, or, or gives us hope going into this game. Uh, and our last game there, which was in April of last of the yeah, of 2021, uh, we won, I believe, 4-1 uh, with one of our best attacking displays from, uh, as Alex was saying before we started recording, Havertz, Mount, and Pulisic. So uh, it's one where we tend to get a few goals. We beat them 3-0 earlier this season. Pulisic again on the score sheet. Uh, and I know Alex has some some things to say about the build-up, at least against Pulisic playing against Palace. So I'll let him get into that in a second. Uh, Palace's last five games, draw against Brentford, draw against Norwich, lost to Liverpool, draw against Brighton, uh, and lost to West Ham. And for Chelsea, it's win against Spurs, draw against Brighton, lost to City, draw against Liverpool, and draw against Brighton. So both teams kind of similar form, uh, but Chelsea obviously coming on coming off of the back of the, the Club World Cup win, which uh, should hopefully be a springboard for a win here and a trophy uh, in the next 10 days or so. Alex, the last time we played Crystal Palace, I think we we started or coined the meme Christian Palisic, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so what do you have to share with us on, you know, Christian Pulisic's form or stats against Crystal Palace? And maybe you can run us through the starting 11 you think would, would play this game. Well, I uh, all I have to say is, like someone once described uh, prime Cristiano Ronaldo, when you start Christian Pulisic against Crystal Palace, you start one goal up. That's all I, <laughs> I love um, it. So I think I think it's a no-brainer for me, being the completely biased Pulisic fan I am, that especially after he put in what must be said was quite a shift uh, in the Club World Cup final, yeah. uh, coming in for Mount in the 30th minute and then going the distance um, right through the end of extra time. Um, he completed 100% of his dribbles. He had high passing completion. He had four shots. He had a key pass. He drew fouls all over the pitch. He was getting clattered as per usual, but that was helping us alleviate some pressure. Um, his delivery on set pieces was good. And honestly, as, as much as you can ever say with Mason Mount coming off the pitch, we almost didn't seem to, to give up too much in terms of intensity because Pulisic put in a, a Mount-esque shift on and off the ball. So I was very impressed with that. He played in like four different positions, as has been his time under Tuchel at wing back, um, center attacking mid, pushed out to the wings a little bit. Um, he was just everywhere. And I think he absolutely deserves, especially have, given this long recovery period before the Palace game, I think Pulisic has shown he 100% deserves another start. Um, I've personally given Tuchel a lot of benefit of the doubt, given the injury crises and the COVID crises as to not maybe playing Pulisic all the times I would want him to. If Pulisic doesn't start this game against Palace, for me, I'm going to actually have some questions. <laughs> for the first time, I, I've given Tuchel a lot of leeway. So that is that is my warning. Uh, super Tommy Tuchel, if you don't play Christian Pulisic, Alex Mingola is going to come <laughs> and uh, have some words for you online. Um, so for me, he's he's a lock. I, and, and I think as we were mentioning that that Mount Havertz Pulisic front three did great against Palace last year. Mount obviously not available this time thanks to his injury. So for me, I'm going Hakim Ziyech, who, who has been very dynamic lately and didn't get the start in the Club World Cup final. Um, Kai Havertz, who was our, our hero in the last match and just adds a little more dynamism than Lukaku up top. And then Pulisic, who is Mr. Crystal Palace and terrorizes uh, the Palace defenders every time he plays. So for me, I mean, maybe we can get into the rest of the team, but but that's my front three. And for me, the front three is 
is just the most important because we seem to have, I mean, Jackie, you mentioned our, our defense hasn't quite been as, as solid and watertight as it has been in the past, but we have good defenders who can sort of rotate in and fill in our wingbacks, maybe not ideal because our two starters are out, but whoever's put there can put in a shift. We've got some world-class midfielders ready to step up, but that front three is just something that we have not seen yet clicking under Tuchel. Um, I don't know what you guys think needs to be that ideal lineup to start. Yeah, Rahul, I think I have to agree with Alex. Christian Palastic has to start this game. He always puts in an amazing shift. And like Alex said, if we could go one nil up before the ball's kicked, look, <laughs> sign me up for that all day long. But he's going with Ziek, Kai Havertz, and Pulisic up top. Who do you want to complete that starting 11? Yeah, I, th I think that's a good front three and a uh, front three that adds a little bit more uh, dynamism, as, as Alex was saying. Uh, behind them, I think we would have Kovacic and Jorginho. Uh, Conte played 120 minutes. Not that it, it bothers him, but I think for his injuries and managing his minutes, I think uh, he could be on the bench. Uh, I think Aspie and Hudson Adoy at wing back, uh, right wing back for Aspie, Hudson Adoy at left wing back. Although I do think Alonso may come back in, uh, because as we were saying, Hudson Adoy did put in that that cross, but uh, wasn't having the best of games. So maybe an opportunity for Alonso to come in and impress and um, maybe get a goal for himself, which he's he's missed for a while. Uh, and then the back three, I think Chaloba, Christensen, Rudiger. Uh, Thiago Silva with the games coming up, especially in the Champions League midweek and then Liverpool in the final, uh, maybe an opportunity to just give him uh, a rest. Uh, and then I think Mendy comes back into goal and, and takes his, his position. Uh, and just on the Pulisic, Palisic, uh, he became the first American to play in and win the Club World Cup. So uh, discredited all you like pundits, but this is a trophy that we continue to make history with, not just by winning it, but having one of our players uh, bring it back to the States for the first time. Look, all the, all the stuff you guys have said is all valid points. Having this team out there is something I'm excited to see. I know you've touched on, you know, Conte playing 120 minutes didn't bother him, but fair, fair point, he probably does need to get a bit of rest. And same with Thiago Silva. I mean, 37 aging like a fine wine, but let's keep that wine for the critical matches and kind of switch things out as we go through. Alex, I see you agreeing wholeheartedly. I hope you have a good score prediction for us today. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm going 3-0 Chelsea. I think it's going to be a routine dispatching of, of Crystal Palace. We seem to be able to play against them. Um, and an added bonus of Connor Gallagher not being available to That's play true. against us because he's on loan. He's been electric for them this season, arguably making a case for a recall from his loan. Um, but he's been developing nicely. I'm glad to see him still putting in the work. I think he's given Tuchel some, uh, some thoughts ahead of next season. Um, but especially missing him, I think it's, I think it's hopefully, and you never, I mean, knock on wood, but I think <laughs> it's hopefully a routine victory for Chelsea because I'd love to be able to save a few of those players, as you mentioned, for the upcoming matches in the Champions League and then against Liverpool. Rahul, 3-0 Alex's prediction. Maybe he's going for a Pulisic hat-trick. Maybe the front three will all combine and each get a goal, but what's your prediction? I, if it happens 3-0, I'll be, I'll be extremely delighted. I think it might be a little more tighter, uh, just given that Palace have been tough to beat in the last few weeks. I know Liverpool did beat them, but there was a, a controversial decision penalty, I believe, uh, that was given. And, and going away to them, you know it's going to be a, a, a hot atmosphere with their fans. Uh, with Patrick Vieira, it's always uh, tense in terms of the intensity that he brings. So I think 2-1 to Chelsea. Uh, but 
if it's three nil, four nil, like the last time around, uh, I'll I'll be pleasantly and, and gladly surprised. Yeah, I'm happy with two one as well. I'm going for one nil, so all of the people on social media can abuse me and insult me for my <laughs> low scoring scoring line. But look, I'm being conservative. I just want to get back to winning ways in the Premier League and keep that distance on that third spot. And obviously, like you guys said, push for second. That's something that we have our eye on right now. But before we wrap up today's episode, Rahul, I know you've done a good job of always keeping us up to date on the women's game. What can you share with us? I know the last time we talked, they were second in the league. Yes, so they they are still second. Uh, They drew nil-nil against Arsenal on Friday night. Uh, It was a a tough game against the the league leaders in Arsenal who visited uh, the King's Meadow. Uh, We kept a clean sheet. Unfortunately, we didn't score, which uh, is is rare for us. Uh, As you you know and Alex know, we usually talk about our our goal scorers, Frank Kirby, Sam Kerr, uh, Panila Harder. But this was one game where we could have scored. We could have had a pretty clear penalty shot. It wasn't given. Uh, adding this to the decision that was uh, that went against us in the return game earlier this season against Arsenal, uh, it seems like points dropped in terms of refereeing decisions because we performed uh, pretty well. But it's all part and parcel of the game. Uh, it leaves us in second spot, like you said, on 29 points with the game in hand, which means if we win that, we could still go uh, back into first space. Uh, first place and and that's where we want to be and like I said said in the last episode a draw isn't a bad result but when you look at that penalty shot it, it leaves you uh, with a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth uh, about this game absolutely and getting that win would give us a little bit of a gap from Tottenham as well who's chasing us on second spot as well so uh, Rahul do you want to take us home from here yeah so I mean that wraps it up we're we are world champions uh, club world cup champions and it's a great feeling, and, and we're closing in here on the Premier Souls on Chelsea on 100 episodes, which uh, is another thing to celebrate. So uh, we'll kind of come up with something fun to, to do and to celebrate. But uh, thank you very much for, for listening, for tuning in, for subscribing. Please, please do so if you don't already. It's the Premier Chelsea on Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chills. And as always, send us your feedback, send us your questions, and we will be back with a new episode. But until then, stay safe and up the chills.